If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. I want to preach to you this morning on this thought, the spirit of Josiah. Has anybody ever heard of a fellow by the name of Josiah in the Bible? Anybody ever done any study on Josiah? It's an interesting scripture. It's an interesting story. But it sort of relates to where we need to be, I feel like, today, especially today. The spirit of Josiah, 2 Chronicles 34. I read this the other day that at a Gold City gem mine in Franklin, North Carolina, you can go there and you can pay a small fee and they'll give you a bucket of dirt. Or they'll give you a bucket if you want to go out and put dirt in the bucket, whatever else you find. Because they have a mine there, and you can go out and you can do your own mining. And so you pay for this bucket of dirt, and, or bu- this bucket, and you go out and you can put dirt and rocks and all these kind of things. And occasionally, there'll be a gemstone that's found in this, in this mine. In July of 1995, there was a third grader. I don't know if you've ever heard of this story. There's a third grader by the name of Griffin McCurry who paid for a bucket, and uh, just as you might expect, he was looking for hidden treasure. And when he filled his bucket up and he took it back up to the store, Brother Rains, to empty his bucket, he found there was a rock in that bucket. He didn't pay much attention to the rock. He kept the rock because of the unusual size of the rock and the shape of the rock. People magazine reported that it was a salesperson at the store that he took that bucket back to. There was a jewelry store, a part of a a jewelry place in that store who looked at the rock, noticed the rock, and grabbed the rock from the young man and take a, had a closer examination of the rock. That rock turned out to have a value of $45,000 that that little uh, uh, third grader found. Unknowing, unknowing to them, it was had a $45,000 price tag on it. Everybody likes a good treasure story. We like watching movies of treasure, and we like finding things. We have TV shows now that you can go in your attic, and probably in your attic you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in your attic, you know, from these treasure stores and these TV shows. The story of Josiah, there was a story there in the the discovery of the book of the law in the temple of that day. And during the renovation, uh, they found this book of the law. And probably when you look at, at it from a standpoint of a treasure, treasury story, it's probably, no, it doesn't get any better than this particular story here. Because the word of God is a treasure today that is priceless. Amen. Now, don't get me wrong. We, I love coming into this place, and I love worshiping the Lord. I love worshiping our Lord and Savior. I love the shout. I love people emotions. I love people to, to get side, not, not necessarily sidetracked, but pull away from their normal, their normalcy in, in, in order to worship the Lord, if that makes sense. But more important than that, the word of God beats any of that because it's the word that'll set you free. It's the word that'll keep you grounded. It's the word that'll keep you growing day by day. If your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ is merely based on, on, on uh, coming up here like we've done this morning in the altar area and lifting your hands and, and maybe jumping up and down and all of that, then your relationship is not worth much to me. Pastor, that was pretty hard saying. That was pretty bold. But I hope you understand my point I'm making this morning. It's all right. I love it. 
But you've got to back something up with Scripture. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to be grounded in the Word of God in order for your relationship to grow. Interesting story. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. You think about that. He was eight years old when he became king. Now we read that and we really don't think much about that. But I want to show you something. Matthew, won't you come up here real quick for me? I didn't even tell him I was going to do this. Let me give you a visual this morning. I know you're older than eight years old. How old are you? Twelve. Oh boy, you're really big. But this sort of helps give us, give us a visual. Matthew's 12, but I want you to imagine him today at eight years old. At eight years old, Josiah became the king. How would you like that? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, be pretty cool. Thank you. Eight years old, this guy became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he's 16 years old. Anybody 16 years old here today? You're not 16. 16 years of old, while he was still young, the Bible said, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of Baal in his presence. And the incense altars which were above them, he cut down, and the wooden images, he carved images, the molded images, he's broken to pieces and made dust of them and scattered it upon the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priest on their altars, and he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Everybody say cleansed. Going down to verse 31. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all of the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. Everybody say diligently. All his days, listen to this now, all of his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. All of his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of his fathers. Now read that scripture and you, you go back and you can read that chapter and you can read the chapter before and after and get a, a better picture of what we're talking about today. But my mind goes so many different places of where we are today as a, as a culture, as a people. I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. Because if we're not careful, we'll misuse, we'll misplace 
the things of God and we'll put them over to the side because we love the things of this world a little too much. And we have to change our spirit. We've got to change our focus. Josiah here, the Bible says, at eight years of age, was made king. In the eighth year of his reign, at, at age around 16, Brother Lewis, the Bible said that he began to seek the Lord. He began to develop a sense of fervency, if you will, of knowing who this God was. He had a desire to know who God was. At around 20 years of age, 18 to 20 years of age, Josiah's actions brought about the greatest revival up to that time. If you go back and you can study and you can look for six years, he turned his world upside down. Matter of fact, you go back and look, Jeremiah, the prophet, began preaching around age 14 of that day, of that year. Him and Josiah was somewhere around the same age, around seven and eight years old. Josiah's father, who was King Ammon of Judah, was an evil man. What do you think about this? His grandfather, Manasseh, seduced the nation of Israel to do evil. And God became so angry with that nation that he allowed the Assyrians to come and take them captive. Isaiah the prophet was sawed in half because of his preaching against the sins of Manasseh, Josiah's grandfather. God was so angry with his people that he said he would wipe them away as a man wipes off a dish. But long about there, there comes a young man by the name of Josiah. At eight years old and 16 years old that had a desire to know who God was. I pray that God give us a church house full of eight-year-olds and four-year-olds and two-year-olds, and 14-year-olds, and 18-year-olds, and on and on I could go, that has a desire to follow God. Don't tell me God can't use young people, Pastor. Don't tell me God can't use them at a young age. I remember a little guy, Chuck and Lisa, at four years old, that God filled with the Holy Ghost and knocked him out on the floor that's still doing ministry today all over this world. If God can do it for Chris, he can do it for your child, amen. If God can do it for your child, he can do it for the next child. I'm praying that God send us a multitude of young people today that'll get on fire for Almighty God and change this world for Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Josiah comes along. And this nation came back from the greatest decline of, and sin to the greatest revival the nation had seen. Can I tell you this morning, stop here long enough in this story, can I tell you that God ain't through with your situation either? Hallelujah. God ain't through with your family either. God ain't through with our church either. God's not through with this city either. You're not too far away from God that he can't make you into a great man or a great woman of God, amen, and make this church into a great church. And so it was many years since anybody uh, was even concerned with God according to this chapter here. And so one of the things that Josiah wanted to do when he became king along around age 16, 15, 16, he wanted to clean up the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but that sort of gives me an idea that the temple wasn't kept up until then. They had put stuff in the temple. 
They had stored stuff in the temple. They had it become a storeroom instead of a worship room. Lord, help me here because my mind's going all kind of places this morning. Sometimes our church house has become a storeroom instead of a worship house. Sometimes our house has become just a house we live in instead of a place we abide in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. And we wonder why our families are fragmented today. We wonder why our kids are acting like they are. We wonder why husbands and wives are splitting up today. It's because somehow or another, in some place in time, we've left God out of the situation. We've got to get God back into this situation. We've got to clean up the temple. Amen. The Bible says they were cleaning up the temple and they found a book. And they dust off this book and they find that it's the book of the law. This book had not been mentioned for some 300 plus years and had not been read probably for even longer than that. And Josiah, you gotta understand, he's not just working with a bad family situation. He's not just working with a, with a backslidden nation, but he's working with a people that are totally, totally lost today. Amen. He's working with the people that is totally gone. He's working with the people that does not know God. They don't even go to the house of the Lord anymore. But when they found the book, to them it was a beautiful find. But to Josiah, who the scripture says had a tender heart and humbled himself before the Lord, this was an extremely important treasure that he found. And when the king heard the words of the law, the Bible said he grabbed his garment and he ripped it off of his back showing humility and sorrow over the nation's sin. And Josiah said, we're getting ready to do everything that this book says we can do. I wish to God that some of us would take this book and say, we're gonna do everything it says we're gonna do. I would to God that our families would take this book and say this, whatever it says, this is what we're gonna do. I would to God that young people and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas would take this book. I wish Washington to D.C. would take this book and say, we're going to do everything that this book says we're going to do. I would to God that Solomon Gomorrah of Hollywood, excuse my language, would take this book and say, I'll follow everything this book says that we're going to follow. So he's working with a people that is to- totally lost Jeremiah knew well when he wrote in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 20, he says, The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was taken in their pits, of whom we said, Under his shadow we shall live among the heathen. Can I stop here long enough? If you didn't know it, we're living among the heathen today. We're living among, among a nation today that seemingly does not know God. Matter of fact, I saw a protest the other day on television. Not television, but on Facebook. And somebody had put a picture of this man with this sign that was walking on this protest. And on this sign he said, if Jesus comes again, kill him. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute. This Jesus, even if you didn't like Jesus, all he'd done was good. Even if you didn't believe that he was the Savior, all he ever done was good. But this guy had enough sense about him to know if Jesus returns again, let's go ahead and kill him again. Can I tell you, he is gonna return again, but ain't nobody gonna kill him this time. He is gonna come again, but my Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ was gonna rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air, amen. And therefore, evermore, we'll be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, give him praise in the house. Hallelujah. He saw that God's people would again be in bondage. 
because of their backsliding. Jeremiah said this, and, and he said, we're going to live because of Josiah having saved a wonderful word of God. It was exactly what was needed for the people to continue to live the very inspiration, if you will, of their lives because of Josiah's dedication to the Lord, because of his fire of the Lord, because of his desire of the word of God, Jeremiah was called to prophesy and begin to preach. Around 640 B.C., King Ammon was assassinated, who is his dad. At eight years old, he became king. Jeremiah, who said this word, is like fire shut up in my bones, was about the same age around this time. Zephaniah, who was the son of Cushi and a great-great-grandson of King Hezekiah, was also around eight years old during this time. Habakkuk is also a young boy who asks God the kind of questions that so many of us have pondered. Why, Lord, do you force me to look at evil, to stare trouble? in the face day after day in 632 BC Josiah who was 16 years old according to 2nd Chronicles 34 and 3 he begins to seek the Lord God Almighty and in 628 BC around 20 years old he begins to smash down the idols of Judah Daniel is born around this time along with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego an 800 year old problem was taken care of by Josiah Josiah, this young man, simply because he had a vision, simply because he had a desire, simply because he grew in love and he fell in love with God Almighty and he said, this is going to change all of this thing. Whatever this book says, this is what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Pastor, what, what are you so excited about? He changed his nation. Just one guy. Decisions he made. If this one guy... Brother Roger can change his nation, then what about us? What about us? What can we do? What can we do when we take this book and say, whatever it says, I'm going to do. I'm going to follow. Hear me today, and I hope it sinks in. and sinks in deep. We have people week in after week come and sit on our church seats and pews in churches all across America, that they come and they live for God on Sunday, but they're not following the book Monday through Saturday. Are you following me? I'm not trying to be hard today. I'm just trying to help us. We have issues after issues that we deal with. And we deal with those simply because we choose not to follow what the Word says. I'm not saying we're going to have problem after problem. We, we do. We all know that. We're all going to have death we have to experience. We're all going to have sickness we have to experience. But I've got to tell you that some of the issues that we face today, we probably would not have to face if we just simply follow what the Word says. And he begins to tear down the altars of Baal. He went throughout the whole nation of Judah. Everywhere he found a grove. Everywhere he found a high place. Everywhere he found an idol, he broke it down. He broke down the altars of Baal. He broke them down until they were dust, the Bible says. And he took the dust and he poured it over the graves of the false prophets. Josiah, in other words, was sold out for God. Josiah gets Judah cleaned up and then he moves to clean up the northern kingdom and cleanse the land. 342 years before Solomon had built shrines for his wives and Josiah comes along and tears them down. Hallelujah. Josiah was serious about revival. Judah was in worse shape 
that America and one man brought about revival, Josiah. Are we to believe that we're to go down weak? Are we to believe that we're to go down backslidden while allowing the enemy to seduce our nation into a wholehearted apostasy and immorality? Are we, are we to believe today that we're just supposed to allow the enemy to come in and wreak havoc on our families? Are we to believe today that I can't do nothing against the enemy? Am I to believe today that I can't do nothing against the enemy's uh, combating uh, the forces that comes against my family and comes against my children? Listen to me. I have a right today by the authority of Almighty God to stand firm on the word of God and his word tells me I can be the Noah of my ark today, amen. amen. Hallelujah, amen. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He was serious about revival. And all of a sudden, this is not my scripture, you go back and you can read it. Josiah called for 30,000 lambs. He was getting ready to change some things. You think about it, 30,000 lambs. He called for 33,000 bullocks. He, he called for 7,600 cattle. He called for 800 oxen. And he killed them and he burned them and he used them as an offering unto God. Has they done burnt sacrifices back then? What, what are you talking about, Pastor? In other words, he renewed the promise that God had gave them. There's some of us, we gotta renew our promise we got to renew the promise that God has given us. Amen. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, the regulations and all the decrees with all of his heart and with all of his soul. And he confirmed the words of the covenant that was written in the book that all the people pledged, the Bible says, themselves to the covenant of Almighty God. I'm fixing to get a little bold right now. Is that all right? I wonder how many people in here along with me that you'd be willing this morning to stand up with me and say, Pastor, I want to make a covenant along with you. I want to make a covenant to Almighty God, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that from this day forth, I'm going to follow the statutes. I'm going to follow the commands in this book. Whatever this book says, I'm going to follow it. Anybody bold enough to stand up this morning? Hallelujah. Why are you doing that, Pastor? Why are you doing it? I'm going to follow it. I'm going to follow it. You can be seated. Why? Why are you doing that? At some point in time, somebody's got to make a statement. At some point in time, the devil's got to know you're serious. At some point in time, the enemy needs to know, hey, he ain't working for you anymore. The Lord is on your side. You're on the Lord's side. He renewed their promise. They took a stand. And they said, look, we've been, wrong. we've been going in the wrong direction, but right now, right here, right now, we're gonna go back and we're gonna get back on the right track. We're renewing the covenant of the Lord. We will follow him. We will serve him. And so they renewed their promise, amen. amen. The other thing I found they did, they remembered the providence of Almighty God. They said in verse 21, the king gave this order to the people. I want you to celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it was written in the book of the covenant. Understand that this was the first time that Passover was correctly celebrated since the time before David. 
The Passover, if you remember, was all about remembering God's help in ages past. It was about recalling God's saving deeds for all his people. The significance of this act is the role it has in helping to renew our faith of who you and I are today. The God who worked miraculously on our behalf is the, is the past, is a God worthy to work now and the present for our miracles for day to day. Every kind of situation we find ourselves in, he worked in the past and he can work in the present and he can work in the future too. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got a need for the same type of remembrance. And so they remembered God's providence. They remembered the promises of God and they acted upon that. Another thing I found that he did, they reformed their practices. They reformed it. Verse 24 says, furthermore, Joshua got rid of all the mediums. He got rid of all the spiritualists. He got rid of all the household gods and idols and all the other detestable things in Judah and Jerusalem. Can I get bold one more time? There's some of you need to go to the house and get rid of the idols. Pastor, I ain't got no wooden image setting up on my little shelf. You may not. But what is it you got at the house that you care about and you worship? What is it in your life that's taking more of your time than what God is? Hello? What is it in your closet that you don't want nobody else to see? What is it on your laptop that you look at when nobody else is around? Hello? Who is it you talk to in the privacy of your home when your wife and when your husband ain't around? Hello? That's idols. That's idols. That's images before God. And it's taking, their, it's taking God's place. And I've come to tell you this morning in the most loving way that I can until you get the images broken down, until you get the idols out of your life, God cannot help you. He can't help you. You gotta reform the practices. He got rid of all of them. And he did this to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book. Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple. The last thing is this. And I like this part. He rekindled their passion. He rekindled their passion. Verse 25 says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. You think about this. He had a mean daddy and an evil granddaddy. His daddy wasn't no good and his granddaddy wasn't no good. Now I hope my kids can't say that about me. And I hope they can't say that about the grandfather. I hope they can one day say, hey, I've got a good dad and a good grandfather. But Josiah didn't. The scripture is careful to understand and note that he was passionate in his devotion to the Lord. When you go back and do a study, and I can't prove this, but his mama's name was Jedediah. Apparently she had enough sense about her to teach him some things. Listen, mamas, you got more power than you realize. You got more authority than you realize. Keep praying for them babies. Keep speaking them positive things into them babies. Talk to them about the Lord. Talk to them about the good things of God. Tell them about how good God has been to you. Amen. In 1746, Jonathan Edwards, who many of you know, published a book. This book is called The Religious Affections. In this book, he argued that true religion, think about this, 
must consist very much in our affections. Edwards believed that one of the chief works of Satan was to convince men that emotions have no place in spiritual life. That emotional responses are to be guarded against. The mindset he warned will bring all religion to a mere lifeless formality and effectively shut out the power of godliness. He went on to say that there is no true religion where there is no religious affection. If the great things of religion are highly under, mis, are understood, they will affect the heart. Can I tell you that one of the undeniable features of revival is that God's people will get passionate about serving their God. And when I see somebody that's passionate about serving their God, their emotions is all out of whack. I mean, they don't care who's watching them. They don't care who's talking about them. They're just wanting to give God praise and to give him honor this morning. Can I give you a permission this morning that whatever God tells you to do, if God says it, just go ahead and do it. If God tells you to get up and lift your hands, get up and lift your hands. If God says walk around this place, get up and walk around this place. If God says come to the, come to the altar and pour your heart out to me. Come and do that this morning. Don't listen to the enemy that says you're not supposed to do and act like nothing. He made us emotional. The Lord made us emotional. I don't know about you, but I get excited sometimes. Thank you, Richard. I get excited sometimes. How many of you would be excited if somebody come put a million dollar check in your hand? Yeah, you'd be excited. You'd be on cloud nine. We get, we get excited. Revival, revival in the heart. Love is a motive of repentance. New Yorker had a little cartoon where a young boy was in math class. He's standing at the chalkboard with the other students watching him. The teacher had written a problem on the board that says seven times five equals. All the other students, they wrote down the right answer, which was 35. But this little boy, he, he said seven times five is 75. The teacher went to him and said, son, you're wrong. He says, well, I may be wrong, but it's how I feel. <laughs> Amen. It's how I feel. It's almost like the mama with the little boy in the shopping cart going down Walmart or the grocery store or wherever you want to put them. Little boy acting up, the mama done told him four or five times, you better, act, you better act right, I'm gonna give you a whipping. He sits down in the buggy and she told him to sit down, he sat down and he said, mama, I'm sitting down, but on the inside, I'm standing up and I'm jumping up and down. That's how I feel, how I feel. When you think about that, that's a perfect metaphor for our culture today. Responding to this little cartoon, there's a guy by the name of Stephen Carter, a professor of law at Yale that said this. He made this statement, faith is dead. But reason is dying. But how I feel is going strong. Now, don't you think about that just a little bit. Faith is dead. Reason is dying. But how I feel is going strong. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pastor? We're, we're, not, we're not interested in the Word of God because we're not interested sometimes in the truth of the gospel. Sometimes the word of God, the truth of the gospel, can be offensive. Sometimes, Brother Charles, the truth of the gospel can hit me right square between the eyes. And boy, it makes me feel bad. Anybody ever experienced that before? 
Sometimes when I talk about the truth of the gospel, it's hard to understand the truth. But the truth is going to help me be free. The truth will deliver me. Those things that I'm after, those desires that I may go after may go against the word of God. And if I'm not careful, those things that I go after may be the very thing that I lose because I'm simply not following the word of God. I'm simply not following what thus saith the Lord says to do. But if I can follow that, if I can follow the word, then God's going to be with me. If I can follow the word, he's going to guide me. If I can follow the word, he's going to be my guide. If I can follow the word, he's going to take me into all truth. Amen. If I can follow the word, it'll keep me from veering to the left or veering to the right. If I can follow the word of God, I'll keep my focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If I can just follow the word. Hallelujah. Y'all have heard me say this before. I, sometimes I get in arguments with the GPS systems. I enjoy it. I take different roads just to get them to say, you know, turn, about, turn around or whatever they say. Now, I grew up with a time Dad taught me how to use a, an atlas, a road map, right? You follow the, the lines. A lot of folks can't do that. You follow your GPS. I enjoy looking at a map. I follow the map, and I follow every little city or whatever. But what I found about these GPS systems sometimes, Brother Ollie, if I listen to everything they say, they'll take me wherever I don't want to go. And sometimes they'll take me the long way around. Hello. And so when we're traveling many times, we'll hook them up. And I ain't done it in a long time, but I'll hook it up. And I'll already have my destination. I already have my route picked out, but I'll plug it in and get this one's, what this one said, route. And I'll change the direction. I'll take other roads and I'll do this. And she'll come online and she'll say, you've taken a wrong turn. You need to turn around and make a U-turn at such and such turn. And, and all of a sudden I get to talking to it. And I said, you don't know what you're talking about. You're stupid. I know what direction I'm going. Have anybody else done that besides me? Oh, I'm glad. Thank you for being honest. But I just have fun. But can I tell you this morning that this book right here is not something we can poke fun at. This book right here is a road map that'll take you where you need to go. This book right here has got the truth in it that you need to hear this morning. Amen. This book right here has got the spirit of God in it that you need to apply to your life today. Amen. This book right here has got, will take you and show you the place in order to get you to the place called heaven that every one of us is wanting to go. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, if you take a wrong turn along the way, it'll tell you how to get back on right track. Hallelujah. 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 It'll help you. It'll help you. <laughs> Faith is dead. Faith is dead. Reason is dying, but how I feel is growing strong. We want to go many times by our feelings, which are much more to our liking. But the word of God has got to be according to Josiah and when he read this book of the law. It's got to reemerge in our lives. This word of God has got to mean something in our lives. It's a standard we have to live by. It's a foundation that we can stand upon. It's a foundation we can stand upon. Think about this, 350 years before Josiah was birthed, a prophecy came in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2, that said this, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. 
And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burnt incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. 350 years before Josiah was born. When you look in this chapter in 1 Kings, it's an interesting chapter. Go back and don't do it now, but go back and read it. Some of you remember the story. Prophet that delivered that message in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2. He delivered the message, but God told him, I want you to go deliver this message, but I don't want you to stay there. Matter of fact, I want you to leave opposite the way you came. Don't eat with them. Don't fellowship with them. Don't do anything with them. Just give them the message and go. And he'd done that, and he left. But there was another old prophet. I don't know if he was retired or, or what, but there's another old prophet that found him, went and found this prophet sitting down, and he lied to him, and told him, God had spoke to him, said, I want you to come back and eat with me. And the prophet went. And he talked to him about coming back to the house. And while they were sitting there, this is interesting to me. While they were sitting there at the table, the word of God came to the old prophet that lied. And told him that he had done wrong, or this old prophet was talking to this other prophet, said, you done wrong by not listening to God. You came back. You came back and... You're going to die, basically. He went and saddled up this prophet's donkey, and as he left, a lion met him on the road and killed him. Anybody remember that? The old prophet went and found him. There the donkey was, there the lion was, and there's the dead body of the prophet. They came to deliver this message in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2. The old prophet found him and took him back and buried him and mourned over him. Now watch this. And he told his sons, he said, when I die, I want you to bury my bones with this prophet because what he said will come to pass. And he did. And it did. 350 years later. And we've talked about this morning about renewing the promise. We've got to renew the promise of Almighty God. We talked this morning about remembering God's providence. Remembering the promises that God has given us. Remembering those things, Brother David, that God has spoken his word. Remembering those things that God has even spoken to us. The promises that he's made to us. Some of them may not have come to pass yet, but don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. You trust in Almighty God. Amen? You trust in God. We talked about reforming. The practices of that day. Josiah, he went and he changed their lifestyle. He broke down the idols. He smashed all the wooden images and the stone images. He cleaned out the temple. He got it back where people could come and worship again. The Bible says there was no king before or after. Josiah, concerning his spirit and his dedication to serving God and to loving God. I want to ask you a question this morning. What's your spirit like in your relationship with the Lord? Do you have a desire, a genuine desire this morning to follow Him, to love Him as never before? Every morning that you wake up, are you waking up with a mentality that, God, this day is for you. This day is for you. I need you. And then last, Josiah talked to them and taught them 
how to rekindle their passion. Their passion. Now, I'm not talking about anybody on this stage, but I want to make a point, Sister Michelle, if that's okay with your team this morning. Every Sunday, Sister Michelle and her team, they'll come in and they lead us into worship. There's some Sundays, sort of like today, that some of them gets a little excited. Sister Michelle was a little excited this morning. I noticed that. I noticed that Brother Caleb was a little excited over there in that corner with his guitar. I noticed there's two or three others that got a little excited because of what they were singing, what they were feeling. Nothing wrong with that. There's days that sometimes the presence of God will come on me. I get a little more excited than what I may normally do. Are you following me? Every day may not be that way. But there's moments that the Spirit of God will come He'll just overshadow you and he'll overtake you. And boy, that passion seems to rise, Brother Cup, within you. And it, you don't care who's around you. You don't care. You're just, man, you just want to worship God. My point to this sermon this morning concerning the spirit of Josiah is to get us to understand that there's, there's times in our own walk, in our own temple. The Bible says we're the temple of God that that temple gets full of stuff. It's full of junk. We do our best every Friday to come in here and get this place ready for worship since we've been remodeling. Sister Ruth, and we vacuum those seats out and we get some of the dust out, but can I tell you this morning, I still found dust in some of these chairs. Matter of fact, can I, can I tell you something? Some of you, when you get up, you'll have dust on your clothes. I'm sorry. But we try. There was so much dust in this building. I want to draw a point here. But in our temple, sometimes it gets dusty. And we get it clouded by all the stuff that we have to deal with. We get it cloudy with all the stuff that happens in our lives. This one hurt my feelings, or that one hurt my feelings, or my husband and my wife is not acting right, and my kids won't do right. The government, they want too much tax money. and I mean, on and on we could go with all the stuff that we had to deal with. The priest, Helkiah, upon Josiah's command, I want you to go clean the temple. He went and he cleaned the temple. And he found that book. He dusted off that book of words that was so meaningful and words that was so precious to Josiah, even as a young man. I brought Matt up here a few minutes ago just to give you a visual. Can you imagine Matt as king and his priest dusting off the book and bringing it back to Matt and he begins to read the pages in that book and he has such a love for God that he rent his clothes and he asked God's forgiveness. And he said, God, help me as a young guy. Help me, God, because everything that this book says I'm going to do. Now understand something. He had many, many years that he had to overcome. He had a lot of folks that was probably big and strong in Baal worship. 
he had a lot of folks and things that he had overcome as a young child. And, and when they looked at him, no doubt, probably many of them thought, you're just a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. But this young kid, Brother Chuck, had more of God in him than what they ever did. And he realized something that if this nation is ever going to be the nation that it needs to be, if America is ever going to be the nation that what God intended America to be, we got to wake up. If you as an individual ever intends to be what God has entitled you to be and called you to be, we got to wake up. If our families is ever going to be strong and vibrant families for God, living for God, we got to wake up. And our spirit has to change. We got to clean the temple. We got to get it, the stuff out. We got to quit making excuses about the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. You did it. Every decision you ever made, you did it. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. You did it. Amen. We did it. Every, every mistake I ever made in my life, I couldn't blame anybody, Brother, Brother David. I had to blame myself. I, I, it was me. Brother Bruce Rabin that was here a few weeks ago, he made that statement. He said, you know, when I, I've, I've come to find out the more closer I get to God, the more I find out I'm the one that's guilty all the time. I'm the one that's guilty. We gotta quit blaming everything else and everybody else. It's us. It's me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. Isaiah looked at God and said, woe is me. When he saw him, high and lifted up. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell with the people of, of unclean. Woe is me. God touched his lips. My prayer today is that God touch us. Touch us. Touch us. Purge us. Make us clean as we stand before him. Make the spirit that we have different. I know my time is up, but you've got to hear me this morning. Listen, you want to help your families today? Then sell out to God. You want to help your enemy today? Then love them. Love them. You want, to, you, want to, you want to bless your enemy? Because they keep throwing accusations, they keep doing this and all that to you? Just love them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. You ain't got to agree with them, but bless them. See, the Lord's way of doing things is totally different than our way. Different. But if I want to help me in my house and my family and my wife and my children, then I've got to pray for them. I've got to undergird them. I've got to be there for them. All heads bowed and eyes closed. Mm. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. These altars are open if you want to come. At any time, they're open. How about it? Does your temple need cleansing today? Does your temple need to be cleaned today? Do you need to dust some things off in your temple? Is there some things going on in your life that you'd say, Pastor, man, I need help with this. Then why don't you come? Just stand around this altar. 
don't you come and just release it to the Lord today? Why don't you just give it to Him? There are some things in my temple in my life, Pastor, that I've held there and I've bitterness has crept in, anger has crept in, frustration, hurt. Why don't you give it to the Lord? There's some things I don't understand that's going on in my life. And I just want to give it to the Lord today. Why don't you do that? Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Why don't you give it to Him? Don't worry about those you're sitting beside. Don't worry about those, what they're going to think. Who cares what they think? I want to sell out to you, Father. I want to sell out to you. I want to surrender to you. I want to surrender to you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you touch our people today. Help us, God, to make you Lord of our life. Help us, O oh God, to make you king, priority in our life. Help us, O oh God, to renew our passion in you, to change our practices, to rekindle those things that we once felt in you. Help us, O oh Lord, to honor you today by giving ourselves to you. Giving ourselves to you. It's a song we sometimes sing, we give ourselves away. I give myself away to you all over. All over this house, if you don't mind to stand, I want you to stand all over the house. And if you want to come, I want you to come. We're going to pray with Matt here in just a second. But if you want to come, I want you to come. As they play softly, don't be in too big of a rush. Just ask the Lord to be with you where you are sitting at your seat. If you want to come, we'll meet you down here. We'll pray with you. We'll wrap our arms around you, support you, and love you as the Lord loves you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus, right where we're sitting, right where we're standing, right in this place today, oh God, be with us, Lord, we pray. Be with us in the name of Jesus, we pray.